we've been doing this little five-week, today's kind of last day, study. Uh, we called it Better Life. We, we really based it off of John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it abundantly, right? The best way to live. We've primarily been in the book of Ephesians where we've talked about the importance of uh, acting kindly, right? You know, so take all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor put away. Why? Those are cancer to the souls. And then the idea of walking in love uh, as an imitator of God. Then we looked at acting purely, uh, put away all immorality, the stuff that, again, takes us out of alignment with what God created us to do. And then last week was act wisely, walk as children of the light. Well, today, we're actually going to go back to the book of John. John chapter 13, great passage. I don't have much time. I knew I wasn't going to have much time today, which is great. That's why we're not going to read the entire passage. But I want to read these two little pieces because in here, he talks about the importance of acting generously. And, um, and I think it's, it's such a big piece of, of this idea of, of live better. So uh, if you'll follow along as I read it, that would be great. <clears throat> now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come forth from the Father and was going back to the Father, got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Skip on down then to uh, verse 12. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments back and reclined at the table, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor the one who is sent is greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. See, Jesus understood us, right? He made us. And he understood far better than anyone that one of the biggest things that you and I were going to run into from living life to the full was ourselves, this idea of self-centeredness. Now, you've got to understand that there's a, there's a context to what's happening here in the upper room. And the context is this, that in the background, for some time that we know of, there's this discussion that's been going on about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. Right? So they're expecting at this point, Jesus is going to set up his kingdom, and who of them are going to have the highest positions? In fact, if you go back, as they were moving from Jericho up to Jerusalem for this event, James and John's mom, bless, you know, God bless mothers, right? His mom shows up to Jesus and says, hey, could you do me a salad, right? When, when you come into your kingdom, would you let one of my sons sit on your left hand and one of my sons sit on your right hand? 
that went over like a dead fish with the other disciples, as you can imagine. And that discussion has continued. In fact, what we read in Luke, that even here in the upper room, this is the discussion. There arose a dispute, right? They're kind of invested in this. There arose a dispute among them of which one of them would be regarded as the greatest. Folks, the reality is we all struggle with this idea of being self-centered. I mean, it really goes back to the fall. I mean, Satan fell from his place as Lucifer. Why? Because he wanted to be like God. He wanted to sit on the Mount of Assembly, Isaiah 14. And so how does he appeal to Adam and Eve, who God had said, don't touch the tree? Ah, but if you eat of that tree, you will become wise. You will become like God. And so they look at it. It looks good for food. It also seemed to be desirable to be wise, right? It's all about them. Then you have, you know, so sin comes in. It's now this self-centeredness sets in. Cain and Abel bring their offerings to God. Cain's offering's not accepted. In his self-centeredness, jealousy comes in. He kills his brother. And, and, it, and it just continues. I mean, you think back to when we looked at Ephesians 4.31, you know, let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away. Where does that come from? It comes from the fact that we're self-centered. Because our self-centeredness leads to jealousy. It leads to a critical spirit. It leads to putting others down so I can feel like I'm elevated. And as we talked about, when we talked about that in Ephesians 4, those things are cancers to the soul. Because here's the thing about being self-centered. That's a black hole, right? You go down into that hole, it just is never-ending, right? There's never enough. It's just never enough to, to satisfy or to bring what you want. And that's where the bitterness, the wrath, the anger, all those things come from. In fact, it's kind of interesting because the thing that we tend to even respond to the most viciously in our own spirit is when somebody else is being self-centered, right? They cut in line in front of us, right? Or they go zooming around us to cut in line, right, to get onto that overpass that we've been patiently waiting. Now, no, let's be honest. That grates on you, doesn't it? Why? Well, because they put their needs ahead of yours. So we read James and John's mom come and talk to Jesus. Let one son sit on the left, one son sit on the right. This is what we say. And hearing this, the ten became indignant. Why? Because James and John were self-centered? No, it's because that's the seat they wanted, right? They want to sit on the left. They want to sit on the right, right? And so Jesus knows that this problem is going to create this problem for their soul. And so he gives them this solution here in John chapter 13. And what's interesting in the book of John, the first 12 chapters are really about Jesus the Messiah to people who don't know who he is. But when you start in chapter 13, now this is really, he's talking to his disciples. And what he is trying to remind them is, is that serving others is what he has made us to do. It's part of our identity in Christ. Jesus is one who said, I did not come to be served. This isn't about me. But I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And if you and I are going to be imitators of God, 
If you and I are going to reflect his image, then we have to understand that service is an important part, not just for what it does for somebody else, but what it does in my own heart. And of course, Jesus is that ultimate example because this very night that they're in this upper room, he's going to be betrayed. And then he's going to be taken and beaten and nailed to a cross. Why? Because he is paying for our sins. That is our biggest need. He is sinless. He doesn't need to go through this. But he sees our need. And he meets that need. And if you and I are following after him, part of our identity in Christ is that we would serve others. Whatever it takes. I love Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. See, he's talking new birth here. Created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, serving others. And this serving others is tied to meeting needs that they have in their life. So the, the background of this is they lived in a time where they wore sandals. It was very dusty. Uh, the city of Jerusalem is overrun with people right now because Passover time. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the street you probably don't want in your house. So the, the custom of the time is when you would come in, there would either be a servant or a child who would be there who would have water and a basin and a towel, and they would take off your sandals, and they would wash your feet as you went into the house. That was what was customary. Well, you remember, this is a rented room. And so there's the water, there's the basin, there's the towel, but there's no one who is, uh, you know, the inferior piece in their minds. And so Jesus not only sees the need, but he sees this great object lesson. And he gets up and he takes off his outer garment and he takes the water and the basin and he goes and he washes their feet. And notice what he says here in verse 15. For I gave you an example that you should do what I did to you. Jesus said, this is the way. You want to live life to the full? You, you, you want to combat the biggest problem that you've got? So, then serve others. Get focused on others. Get focused on other people's needs and meet those needs. And the outcome of that is a better, more meaningful life. So it seems like in the last month or so, we have been overrun here with memorial services. I've been privileged to be at a lot of them and be a part of a, a few of them. And it's been kind of interesting to me, especially when you think about it from a cultural standpoint, as they've told the stories about these people's lives and if they put up pictures of these people's lives, that all the things that today seem to, you know, seem to be so important to our culture, I haven't heard about. Like, I haven't seen a picture of a nice big fancy house that somebody built and they said, oh, look at their house. I haven't even seen a picture of a really neat old car, right, that they, they had fixed up. But what I've seen and what I've heard are just story after stories about how these people have served, about how they've taken people into their home and, and raised people as their own kids when they weren't their kids. And, and they come alongside and they've helped them in business. Why? Those were the things that brought meaning and value to their life. And what you and I are told to do to combat this selfishness that we all struggle with is this idea that we are to serve others in the body of Christ. 
that in this community of relationship, which is what a church is to be, that part of the solution for what I'm struggling with in my life, and quite honestly, what you're struggling in in your life, is that we figure out how to serve each other. We look for those needs. Paul put it like this in Galatians chapter 6. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially those of the household of faith. Are we to serve all people? Absolutely. But man, especially our brothers and sisters. Especially those within the community of the church. And, and, and the key here is is that we utilize the giftings and the passions that God has put upon our heart. To me, that's one of the most fascinating things about this, is that when you set out to serve and you set out to follow Jesus' example, that if you can move into those things that God has just put upon your heart, maybe giving you a talent to do, what you're going to find is that, that, first of all, you're going to flourish. Man, that sense of purpose, that sense of meaning, that sense of satisfaction. Plus, you're going to bless a whole lot of people. And so you, you look for those things in which God has put upon my heart. I mean, we talked about grief share before. Uh, remember that? That seemed like a long time ago, but it was only about 30 minutes ago. We were talking about grief share. It's a great ministry. We didn't have grief share. Perry Harris came to us. He had lost a spouse. Grieving, helping people walk through that grief, big thing to him. He said, you know, I, I can serve in different ways. In fact, he does some, some other things. But he said, this is really my passion. Would you mind if I started grief share? We said, man, sick him. And he has ministered to and served so many people who have walked through that loss. It's, it's huge. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about, you know, places here where you can find places to serve. And the truth is you may not find one that is a really good fit for you, but there's something God's really put upon your heart that I want to tell you. Sick them. Go after it. Why? Because when you and I serve, it's not just blessing others, it's blessing us. It's helping us keep our eyes off of ourselves and keeping our eyes on serving others. And that's where we're finding peace, and that's where we're finding purpose, and that's where we're finding contentment, and that's where we're finding satisfaction. In fact, did you notice verse 17? He says, I know these, I, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them serving. Now, one of the difficulties that we have, uh, God is blessed, Desert Springs has grown. And, you know, it used to be I could pretty much tell you all the different ways in which we served one another. I, I got to be honest with you, I don't know. I, I don't know anymore. So every once in a while, somebody comes in and says, have you heard about this? I haven't. I think it's cool, but I don't know about it. And if I don't know about it, how in the world can everybody know about it, right? And so how do we communicate the number of places to serve? So what we did was we took and just tried to divide it down into six primary areas. And within this, there's all kinds of ways to serve in these big areas. Uh, number one is kids. Kids for us are, are infants through fifth grade. And uh, 
we have always, so in the 26 years I've been here, we have tried to minister to young families. <clears throat> Nick, I forgot, 25 years ago, I, I baptized you, right? He was a young man, uh, just, just about Vincent's age, yeah. That's cool, isn't it? Isn't that neat, right? Because we've tried to minister to young families. So in that, one of the things that we have always tried to do is this. We have a nursery. And if you've got an infant, we're going to take care of that baby for you. We have never asked a parent of an infant to work in the nursery. Why? Because they got them 24-7, 365. We can help for an hour or two, Right? And so what a great place as a grandma and grandpa to go in there and, and love on those babies and hold those babies and rock those babies. And some of you that are newly married, go in there and work. It'll be the best form of birth control you've ever learned. But you're ministering. But what it's causing you to do is to not focus on yourself. Or to get in and to teach our children. And I've told you the stories about some of my Sunday school teachers. And I can't help but think of Frank, my sixth grade Sunday school teacher who'd been in Vietnam and told us the Bible stories and weaved it into the stories of Vietnam. I mean, man, he impacted me. He invested in me. And his investment is still paying off to the day. And I think Frank would have told you that it was something that was very important for him to do. Kids first impressions. You know, we're all supposed to, you know, be kind, connecting with one another, but we want to make sure nobody gets in and out of here without feeling loved. And so first impressions goes to everything from our greeters to those that make the coffee, uh, to those who work the, the welcome desk, to our security team. There's a boatload of ways to, to deal with the first impression, the worship arts, right? And, and it's not only what's up here. I love Ted's video last, last week. You know, he, he works in the back. And I love what Ted said. He said, you know, I, I tend to be technically inclined. And I had to smile because I figured when he said that, probably... 60 to 70% of the people are going, eh, well, that's not me, right? And it's fine because you don't need to be there, right? But those of you that are technically inclined, man, that's a great place. You can serve and you can minister that way. Uh, we, we think of youth ministry, and for us, that's kind of sixth grade up to college age. We know that this is the most important time in these young people's lives to get them connected to the Lord. Prayer. Prayer is such a huge piece. We have an Elijah prayer team where people commit to pray for our church every day. There's a, a, a prayer list that goes out every week. There's on Thursday night, there's a prayer meeting. It's done by Zoom. Uh, connect groups. Man, what an important piece. And you say, well, you know, I can't facilitate. Well, but maybe your gift is hospitality. You can open up your home. And here's a group, you say, well, I can't teach. Well, you don't need to teach to lead a connect group. You just need to facilitate. Actually, you know what the only real requirement to be able to be a con good connect group leader is love people. Just be willing to love them. Right? So there's a place for you to serve. So here's what I want you to do. I, I want you all to take out your phone. Right? Uh, now, I know some of you still got a flip phone. If yours is a flip, you can leave it down, right? Okay? But for most of you, you got a smartphone. So, so go to your internet browser, type in events.dscchurch.com, right? Really simple. Events.dscchurch.com. And when you get there, you're going to come up with two things. Number one, there's connect group signups. And I've seen some of you, when I've been preaching, putting that in already. That's 
Okay, God knows. But right below that, it says do something ministry fair. If you click on that, it's going to bring up these six areas, give you a little bit more information. Uh, but let's say, hey, uh, I kind of like this idea of kids ministry. So you just click on that and you can read more about opportunities because there's teachers, there's helpers, there's greeters, there's all kinds of things. There's nursery. Give them your name, address, answer a few questions like what service would you like to serve, how many times a month, that type of thing. Go all the way to the bottom, hit submit, boom, somebody get a hold of you. And in a moment, we're going to go outside and we're going to have donuts. Hopefully, they melt in your mouth and not in your hands, but it is warm, all right? We're going to have a time of fellowship. We want to celebrate with these that have been baptized. But there's also going to be a table there with five, six people. And if you don't know, can't figure out how to do this on your phone, they can help you. Or you say, listen, I'm kind of interested, but this first impression thing, what, what are some of the opportunities? They'll, they'll be able to tell you. We want everybody. Why? Because it's not so much even about the people that you're going to minister to. It's the importance of your heart. 